You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. We've got your Bibles. Our scripture reading this morning is 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 to 21. And I'm reading from the ESV. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Roy. Let's can take that from you. Thanks, brother. So good. Uh, such a great text that we're in. Uh, if you're new here again, we're in the book of First John. We've been work, walking through this for a couple months now. But before we jump into the text, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something or repeated something to your kids or been repeated like a, someone's sharing a story to you and you've actually heard it before? Every one of us could probably say yes to that, right? Like we, we, we have repeat, we repeat ourselves, whether to our children or to our parents and our parents actually tell us a story. Like, it's actually kind of funny. Like my parents, I was thinking about this text and how John repeats himself over and over again. And instantly my mind goes to like, when my parents, they tell me a story and they oftentimes in the midst of their story, sometimes halfway through, sometimes right at the beginning of the story, they look at me and go, Jer, have we told you this before? And oftentimes, like 95% of the time now, because they're in their late 70s, they go, I go, yes, you have told me this story before, in which then they continue to tell me the story, which is actually kind of funny, right? I just told you, do you have now, now I'm thinking in my head as they're retelling the story, are your, is your memory that short term that you can't remember my answer? And so it's actually really interesting, but I'm, I'm to blame as well. I do the same thing to my kids. But I'm saying it's funny and I thought about that because in this text that we have before us that Roy just beautifully read, uh, John is repeating himself over and over. And it makes sense because John is at the end of his ministry. He's 80 years old-ish and he's at the end of his ministry. And what he's sharing is the, the things that are most important to him. The things that are most important. He's retelling the story over and over and over again. And we see that if you read through the book of John one time through, you'll realize that he repeats himself constantly. He's sharing something that is actually important. And when my parents and 80-year-olds 
when they share something with you, and this is why I take my time and actually re-listen to the story, because it's something that's important to them and they're sharing from their heart of what is going on. And even though I've heard it many times before, I still go, what is it that I can learn from? And that's what I want to do here in this text that we have before us in 1 John. And the beauty of this passage is that John says something, he has three words. If you picked it up uh, for the first time through, you're amazing. You've, you've studied your Bible well and you've, you, you're starting to pick up on those repeated words. And, and let me just point them out to you. <clears throat> and the text is on the back of those bulletins if you don't have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you actually can grab one at the back table and take that uh, home for, uh, as a gift from us to you. But the first word that I want to point out is the word perfected. He says this four times in this little text, perfected. And this is the purpose of this text, that we might be perfected. And then he says five times the word abide. This is actually the process of fulfilling the purpose. The process of fulfilling the purpose of being perfected is to abide in God. And then get this, love is another one. 16 times we see the word love. This is an important thing that John is repeating himself. He says love 16 times and this is the plan. This is how you abide by loving. This is how you fulfill the purpose that you're called to. So we have purpose, process, and plan. This isn't even my outline. All right, so this is really good. To just, uh, this is a great outline. It came to me way too late to write a sermon on it, so, and I couldn't plug it in. But what I wanted to do this morning is actually take one of those and really unpack it. Really unpack it. So what I've, my outline is this. What is it to be perfected? What does it mean to be perfected? Just one simple question with, I think, three areas that John points out to us. And that is to be filled, to be confident, and to be loving. So let's unpack this together. Let's, let's pray one more time, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, we again acknowledge you, uh, for you are our Redeemer, that you are our only hope. There's nothing on this world outside of you that can grant us salvation. You are the hope only God. And so we honor you today with this beautiful letter from John that you inspired by your spirit to help teach us and that we might glean from it of what it is saying and apply it to our life and, and practice this this week. And so help us, Lord, practice these things. We thank you that you are the one that's perfecting us in a deep, deep way. You are perfecting us in, in ways that we may not even recognize. And so we thank you, Jesus. And we just humble ourselves now before you as we hear from what you have to say from your word. So please, Lord, I ask that you use me despite me in this, in this time. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, this is a... Uh, this has been a fun text to actually kind of unpack, but let's, let's take a look at that first one, that filled. What does it mean to be perfected? Number one, it's verses 12 and six through 16. We won't read it right at the start here, but I want to give you a little bit of a prelim before we read it again. See, as we scratch the surface of what this means, that what this word perfected means, it's, it's really good to actually go to the original, what this actually means. And the original word is teleo. And this, this word perfected means actually to perfect your character. 
So intimately, God is coming in and dwelling in us to perfect our character. It's such a beautiful word when you start actually unpacking what this word means. And it's similar to the word that Jesus, when he hung on the cross, one of the phrases he said was, it is finished. And that word finished was the perfection of redemption. He perfected redemption. He paid the penalty that we deserve and he completed it. And so now looking at this text again with the idea of last week, and if you haven't listened to last week's message yet, you can go back on our website and check it out. But one of my points in the application section was to accept one another with an agenda for change. That we accept one another, but not stay there. We want to accept one another with an agenda that they might love Jesus more. And that's how Jesus loves us. He accepts us. He, he dies for us. He pays the penalty of our sin, but wants to grow us in sanctification to become more like him. So that's the agenda, right? That's how we love one another, that they might love Jesus more. That's the goal. Not that they love me more, that they might love Jesus more. And that's the whole goal. And, the, and so looking at the idea of perfection of your character, perfection of redemption, and now the acceptance of an agenda of sanctification. Let's read this text this uh, verses 12 through 16 again really quickly. It says this, no one has ever seen God. Now that's a whole nother sermon. We'll maybe hit another time. If we love one another, like let's read this slow. If we love one another, God abides, that's dwells in us. And his love is being perfected. His love is changing and transforming our character. By this we know that we abide, that we dwell. By this transforming of our character, this is why we know that we dwell in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit to do that transformation. And we have seen, and this is John just talking, hey guys, remember, like back in chapter one, verses one through three, we've seen him, we've heard him, this is why we're proclaiming Jesus, right? He says that again in verse 14, he says, and we have seen Jesus and testified Jesus that the Father has sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. We've, I'm retelling the story again. And then verse 15, this is how you get the spirit to reside in you. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides now, dwells in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us through that transformation of character. God is love and whoever abides now in love abides in God and God abides in him. We could go home now. Like that's a sweet text. So sweet. God loves us this much to not just big picture fulfill redemption, but intimately enter into your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, your temple, and transform you. That's a loving God. That's the God we believe in. That's the God of the Bible. That's Jesus. He loves us that much that he sent his spirit to indwell us. See, to be filled is to be sealed with the Spirit of God. And this is the beginning process of being perfected in being filled with the Spirit. It's so sweet. The Spirit is the guaranteed seal of your salvation. And when you are given the Holy Spirit, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. There, there would never be that thought in your heart to just turn back away from this because you felt it. 
you understand the spirit and the love of God's presence is overwhelming. You would never shrink back. See, simply this is the way we can look back at our lives and see change. Like we look back before Christ, before my confession of Jesus Christ and the indwelling spirit, I look back and I go, man, this is the way I was. And I had evil motivation in my heart constantly and I lived it out. But then God transformed my heart and now I live this way and I look back in time and go, oh my goodness, look at how God has transformed me. Look at how he is moving and transforming my character. And this is what John is reminding us of. See, not just on the outer appearance, like I just recently went to the doctor and I am six foot seven and my, fl- my weight has fluctuated. I haven't been to the doctor in about four years, typical guy, right? My, this is as much as my doctor has on me. It's like one little piece of paper. And I go to the doctor and he wants me to weigh, he measures me and weighs me. And now I'm six foot six and three quarters. I'm shrinking and getting fatter. Right? So it's like uh, the sanctification process, if we just look on the outward, we're going down. Right? We're going down quick. Right? And so that, this is the problem. The beauty is the sanctification is going on the inside. Right? We, we got to look on what's going on the inside. What, how, are my, how am I now thinking? How am I being transformed? And I look at my neighbor now with deep love for them when I know years ago it would be hatred. So your character is changing. You seek to love when before you hated. You seek to speak in love rather than in anger. The things that you once were enslaved to no longer have a grip on you because you want to love Jesus the way he's called you to. This is the road of sanctification, and it's a long process. It, it takes a lot of time. There's oftentimes one step forward, two steps back. It is, it is, a, it is a journey. So your character, though, is being renewed by the Spirit of God, by his love for you. His love is perfected in us, and our character is being transformed from one degree of holiness to another, where we see in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And this is why John has repeatedly said in this book, if you don't love your sister or brother in Christ that is not on them, it is actually on you. If you don't love your neighbor, it's not them. It's not their personality. It's not their character. It's actually your hatred towards them, your dislike towards them. It's actually on you. You cannot, as a Christian, point the finger. It has to start here. Like, look at, if you flip back in your Bibles or scroll, uh, I guess it would be up or whatever, down to chapter 2, verses 9 and 11. It says this, and this is, again, just showing that John is repeating himself. It says that whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. You're still in darkness. You've not been transformed because it says earlier that God is light. So you're actually living in darkness. Verse 11, it says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You might say, like in in chapter one, you might say that you live in the light, but actually you're living in the darkness constantly. Like John is repeating himself over and over in this text. And again here, he is saying the same thing. See, church, if we have troubled relationships here at the shore, And this is where the application, this is where the rubber hits the road. If we have troubled relationships here, it's not on the person across from you, it's you. It's what's going on inside of you. 
It's the anger inside of you that is flushing itself out. It's what is going on in you is the issue that we need to confess. We each personally have something inside of us that is getting revealed every single day by the Spirit because he wants to transform us and build our character to one another. And our calling, our responsibility is really simple. It says back in verse 7 of the same chapter, Beloved, which we hit last week, let us love one another. Let us love one another. This is talking about loving the church. See, in other areas of Scripture, Paul says that we are the temple of the living God, that we're the, the temple, like God resides in the temple. I've, I've been reading through Second Chronicles right now, and I want to hit this chapter in the summer. We're going to do like a topical summer series, and so we're kind of all over, but it's going to be so fun, like for me anyways. I'm reading through Second Chronicles right now, and, and Solomon is building the temple, and he finishes the temple. He prays over it in chapter 6, and in chapter 7, God reveals himself through a fire coming down out of heaven and filling the temple. Like, it's an amazing chapter to read through. And you know what the response is? Like, the whole of people see this fire from heaven coming down and filling the temple. And the response was worship. The response was they partied for a month. Like, this is the right response. And like I said last week, the right response, when you're filled with the Spirit, when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your right response is to love. It just comes out of you, right? And that's what John is saying here. We now are the temple. We are the temple. And, and like in the book of Acts, right at the beginning, we saw fire come down on the disciples like tongues of fire. Like it was the same kind of thing. And they saw it like tongues of fire resting upon, on them, upon them. And what did they do? They went away from hiding and went out onto the streets and started proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They were filled with the Spirit. They were fired up. They couldn't hold it back anymore. Like in Second Chronicles, they partied for a month. The disciples, they were like reckless abandon. I'm going to go share my faith no matter what happens to me. Such a beautiful story. It's saying the same thing all the way through from front to back. See, we are reborn. We are now the temple of God. This is such a beautiful text of Scripture. And this all happens in an instant by way of belief and confession and we can see this in verse 14 and 15. If you take a look on the screen, it says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Again, this is John repeating 1 John chapter 1 through 3. This is 1 John, or John just going again, uh, Hey, guys, remember, this is the one we touched. This is the one we, that we saw. This is the hands that we put our fingers in his, in his palms and his side. We have seen and testified about Jesus. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever then confesses that Jesus is the Son of God and abides in him, meaning follow him, follow what he has taught, abide in his teaching, abide in what he has proclaimed to us clearly through the Scripture. God abides in him then and he in God. So how is one filled and perfected? By way of confession. By way of confession through this entering of the Spirit into the temple. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says the same thing. Paul says it by this way. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Now, hear me on this. 
especially those that might be leaning on the walls. Hear me on this. It is not your faith, your parents' faith. It is your faith. It is not someone else's decision. It is your decision. It is your what you are reading in the scripture, your parents or someone else, your youth leader or whoever cannot make a decision for you. It is you. We each individually have to take a responsibility. Do I believe that Jesus lived on this earth? Do I believe that I am sinner? Do I believe, do I, me personally believe that I have fallen short before a holy God, almighty God? Do I believe that I need Jesus to pay for my sin? Like that's, these are the things that we need to ask ourselves. We can't rely on someone else's decision. We have to take note and actually examine ourselves. Do I believe that I'm a sinner? Do I believe that I need a savior? Do I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, as, John, as Paul says here, with, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Do I believe that truly? For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. That word saved means that penalty of your debt, your sin is paid for. That's what that means. You're saved from your sin. See, you'll be redeemed. That's that big picture. Jesus is redeeming all of creation. He's redeeming pain for the sin of his faithful and also the perfection of our character. So what does it mean to be perfected? It means to be filled with the very presence of God, to be the new temple. So a whole bunch of temples walking around that we might be perfected in, his, in character and also proclaim the re- beautiful story of redemption to our neighbors around us. Secondly, it is confident, and it brings us confidence. In verse 17 and 18, it says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is the perfection of our character. This is the road of sanctification. This is, this is John reminding us that we are assured in Jesus Christ. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Lord of your life with all of your heart, like everything in you, all of your, your strength, all of your mind, every, all your mind, like there's no doubt in your mind that Jesus is your Savior from your sin, from the penalty that God deserves to pay for you. Like when you confess this, that you are saved, you now have confidence in your assurance of salvation. And this book is that. First John is a book of assurance of your salvation. And he's trying to remind us and awaken us to this. Like when you confess Jesus, you now have confidence in Jesus. There's no more fear. There's no more fear of judgment because Jesus paid for all of your sin. So now we get to live freely for Jesus' namesake. Not for our little kingdoms, but for Jesus, that we might glorify him, that we might proclaim him. And that's exactly what the disciples did at the beginning of Acts, right? They were hiding away, fearing of persecution. 
And then the spirit rested upon them. And they threw everything aside and went and stood on the streets and proclaimed Jesus Christ, not fearing death any longer. Because they knew the eternal promise of Jesus is far greater than anything granted here on this earth. This earth is meaningless. It has nothing to do, you have no gain here in this world. It will all be lost when you see Jesus. That's the most important thing. So we have confidence. See, like when the fire of heaven came down and filled the temple in Second Chronicles 7, and fire came down onto the, the disciples, it's party time. It's party time. It's excitement. It's proclaiming of Jesus Christ. Like, what did those people do in, in 2 Chronicles 7? It's like they proclaimed to any nation that came in front of them, we have the true God. You have nothing. They were, they were strong proclaimers of Jesus and the power of God Almighty. And there's no more judgment for us to look on, so there's no more reason to be fearful. So what does it mean to be perfected? It means to be filled with the Holy Spirit with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it's confessing him. And now have confidence in that filling of the temple. And now what we do is we love. We love. Look at verses 19 through 21. It says, we love because he first loved us. Like he's done everything, right? We've done nothing at this point. He's done everything. He loved us first. We haven't chosen to love him. No one actually seeks for God, it says in Romans chapter 3. He loved us. He loved us, died for us, paid our penalty of sin, and then through his spirit changes our hard heart into a soft, flesh, fleshy heart that we might surrender to him. We love because he first loved us. He has filled us with his spirit, perfected our, perfecting our character every single day, given us full confidence at the day of judgment. And now if anyone says, that big if there, if anyone says, I love God, I love him, and hates his brother, he's a liar. It can't be any more clear than that. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment, this is a commandment, we have from Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And I might remind you, in the Gospels, Jesus gives us this command. This is what John is pointing back to, right? And this commandment we have from Jesus. He left us with, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others. The two commandments that Jesus left us with. So this is the practical application that John keeps coming back to, and that we need to keep coming back to as a church. What is the practical application now that we live out? In our community groups this last week, we challenged one another and we tried to, to build in, like what is it that we can work on in love? Like what, what are the things that we can do better in? How am I not actually being loving? And how, what is my plan to change this? What is my plan to change this? What are some practical things that I can now do to love and show love to my neighbor? See, we need to practice these things. This is not just a come and listen, but go and do. 
go and do. Be transformed by the Spirit of God that is working in your character that we might love the way Jesus loved. And you won't love until you actually realize that you get everything by doing nothing. You've been given everything. Like Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, every heavenly spiritual blessing is yours. He's pouring it out upon us. It's incredible. It's so good what Jesus has done for us. And God is love. God is love. Like we can't stop practicing this. Like we can never get bored of talking about love because this is the very core of our personhood. It should be anyways. Our causal core of our personhood should be love. Like last week I talked about the only response that we have, the right response that we should have outside of receiving Jesus and receiving that fire into our body is the response of love. And that's hard though because man, we love ourselves. Right, if we don't practice this, this is like, Man, if you ever ran a 10K before and then you don't run a 10K for like six months, no exercise, just kind of eating chips and drinking pop and downing some nachos and then go, you know what, I'm gonna run a 10K again. Your body's gonna tell you about 6K in, you are doing something wrong. Like, I don't know, like I played high-level basketball and if I tied up my shoes and ran as hard as I could up and down the court, and this is a very short court, and jumped as high as I could for a minute, my body would be (laughs) in pain for months, like months. And the same thing is love. The same thing. Like if we don't practice this, it's going to be foreign to you. If we ignore love, you don't just ignore the emotions of love. Like again, I might remind you that it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. It's not just an emotion. He exudes this. And in our text, we see that God resides in us. And if he's love, he's residing in us. And if we ignore love, then we ignore God. We then deny the very first commandment that Jesus gave us, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength when we don't rightly respond out of love, then we are ignoring God. We are, we are creating our new kingdom. We are worshiping ourselves. See, this, this last week, we, we talked about this, like I said, and, and we need to practice this more and more as we walk out these doors in a few minutes after we clean up and show love to one another. How are we going to practice it? how we're going to look at one another and care for one another and and practice this love towards one another in all ways. See, again, it says in these verses, these closing verses, it says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And again, this commandment we have from Jesus, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Friends, this love is a sign of your assurance of salvation. It's a sign of your confidence and it's a sign of the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is what it is. It's the, it's the plan to fulfill the process and to ultimately fulfill the purpose. And friends, we are the church. 
We're the ones that God is filling and we are called to love. So we have to kind of stop playing the idea of church, but actually living out what the church is called to, and that's to love one another, to care for one another, to enter into each other's stories, to get to know one another deeply, to incarnate the love of Christ, to identify with one another's suffering, and to enter in and accept one another with an agenda that they might love Jesus more. This is our call. This is our responsibility. And this is what John is poking us as a good shepherd would poke you. And I want to poke you as well along with John that let's practice it this week. Let's practice it. Let's, let's stop saying we go to church and let's start practicing that we are the church. Right? Let's practice that we are the church. Now we might just let the love of God flow through us. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, uh, and I've been praying to you. Uh, I feel like I'm repeating myself to you, Lord. Would you please transform this place? Please transform this place, meaning my heart. I need help. I need help to love better. I need help, Jesus. And you know all the intricate details of the inner workings of my heart and my kingdom that I'm trying to build for myself and all the evil motivation. And Lord, please, I, I pray in confession to you, Jesus. Please, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for putting myself before you and help me, Lord, put you on the throne and worship you every single moment of the day that there will not be a moment in the day that I don't love you with everything I have and love others that you've called me to. So please, Lord, help me. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that we too together will, will be this. And even Ryan mentioned it and me with the kids, like that we might be salt and light in the community around us. That will be salty, that will be tasty, that this love towards others, that this friendship towards others, that this fellowship in this, in, in this desire to just care for one another it might be contagious. And then it won't be that I just be loving, that people will notice my lovingness, but that they'll notice you, that we will not stop short, but that we will finish the conversation and share about you. The only reason that I'm loving you is because Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants you to confess your sin and believe upon him. And so I just pray for those that might be here today that don't know you yet, that have never confessed with all, like think about it, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. Really, have you? Have we? May we surrender that today and practice that today, knowing that you are faithful and good and loving and will give us the strength to do so. And so we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.